Welcome to On Conversation. I am the legend Keith Chandler, and on this episode, I will be joined by my co-conspirators and colleagues, Dr. Bradford Griggs from Indiana University and Joey Sisk from right here at home in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. On Conversation is a podcast that seeks to explore different ideas through conversation. Nothing is too taboo or too wild. And in the future, we hope to address topics that involve art, music, culture, community, politics, at both a national and local level, and anything else that could come across our way. In this episode, a conversation about photography ballooned into many different rabbit holes, some of which we hope to revisit in the future. Thanks again to Lucy Stoner for the unreleased music for our intro. We appreciate them a bunch. You can check them out at lucystoner.bandcamp.com. Enjoy the episode. showed you a Instagram of Melissa Blythe's post, right? You know who she is? No. <laughs> so she is, she is um, the guy that owns the mulch, the mulch place right there before you get to Lowe's. You know, it's over on the, if you're coming from Moorhead, it's kind of on the, the, uh, the right as you come in there by the family dollar. Or okay. by the whatever that is, the yeah, dollar, yeah. dollar General. Um, and she she went to high school around here. She's older than you. Well, I don't know. Um, she used to be married to the British guy that um, hung out around here. And But anyway, she's There's been awesome. a British person around here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She met him in Fort Lauderdale when she was down there. And she uh, married him and brought him back. They've, they've since gotten divorced. But she, her composition is unbelievable. Like if I showed you, like she takes wedding fo- photos, but they're like sensually um, just, her eye is like, and she's in really in a lot of... Um, in a lot of demand right now because her eye is so good. Ellen, you hear people say that about Ellen, like her eye is so good. So to me, the eye thing is separate from the concept. So when you were talking about composition before, it was like, what do you, what do you want in it? What are you trying to achieve? How do you want that a proportion? Is, that's eye. But well, that's what they call that. I think that's but what But the eye, it. like, it seems like you could mentally compose something, but the eye would be, like, actually, like, more of an on-the-fly kind Where of Where you put adjustment. things together. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It but, is. I mean, you can it mentally is. put things together, but then you can also, like, put things together, like, or be able to appraise what's good and what isn't when you're looking at it. Separate from the concept of it. It's response. Huh? The, the eye is the response. You can make yeah. it. You can make it mentally, but then the eye through the shutter would be the like a photograph that she puts together that has an allure built into it. Hmm. So that's her set up the camera. That's her. So she set up the camera to do a self p- picture of herself. Yeah. So and she posed herself right, but she doesn't necessarily do that. She does that for Instagram, but 
she has the ability to, uh, let's see. I think the other thing too is back in the day, I, I can't, I, I can't speak on digital stuff, uh-huh. you know, cause there's so many filters for phones and things. I don't like, that's, that's not my world that I, I don't understand. But back in the day, it was all about a trick of like the film you were using, how you were bringing the light, how you were, you know, the movement of the again another photograph of herself uh because this one is like more the instagram like uh, of right of um and then you have the i, trying to find I forget what they call it like... but so if you're looking at the picture vertically you have one two three so you have your you know, your lines or whatever principle of thirds well just how you frame the picture oh. you know so it like it, it, when he was showing so there was the sky you know the yeah. mountains in the background and then the animals and then you have the one two three horizontal as like how you would frame that kind of stuff yeah um but i always thought the idea was back then was how you how you develop the film how you use the film and then what kind of film you were using and how that played off your elements Mm. whereas and i'm not saying that digital photography is easy i'm just saying that it would seem maybe a bit simpler Beings that you have an autofocus, these type of things. Well, a pre- like composing something electronically and not having to worry about what instruments like and this. equipment you have. Right. Yeah, if you've got it all downloaded into one keyboard, yeah, yeah, yeah then it does. Yeah. A photographer like this would probably not use autofocus. She probably uses right. it like if she's doing a wedding to take pictures of the crowd in the wedding. But when she sets up a photograph like this, um, and there's not, I can't find any that are like ones that she's set up that don't have her in them. Nobody who races well uses automatic transmission. Right, right. So, so yeah, like when you're... Manual is the driver's experience. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Automatic when is you're the passenger experience. Well, it, and until recently, it you would always fail to maximize when the When you're setting up the composition... Because humans are better. There's another one. So you see the infinity factor in that, where she's got the picture behind the mirror... That goes on into infinity. Yeah, that's of. interesting. So she does all kinds of shots like that, especially when she puts a wedding party, like when she puts the man and wife together or when she puts like the wife's rings together in the boxes and the shoes that they wore. Like, so it's a composition of that doesn't have any people in it, but it's just got the objects that made it special. Like, that's kind of cool. Um, and her ability to see that, to want to do that. I don't know whether she was trained. I haven't had a lot of conversations with her so far as on photography. I mean, I, I just, I just kind of recognize from, from being in the art gallery stuff, recognize composition. Like when you put, cause if you go to my house, you'll see the stuff is designed to create, people say it looks like a museum inside. So it's designed to create an experience for you when you walk in the door. Um, not just be a place of residence. And I have been to Brad's. It is very nice. Okay, yeah. When you say the experience, so I... Not that, not the condo, my house. Oh, oh. well, but you have a nice condo also, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would break that down into two parts. There's like, there's the narrative aspect of it, and then there's like the aesthetics. Right. And one of those is intellectual, and the other one is based on experiencing it. So that second one is what I would put into like the the I category. Yeah, probably. Because it depends that, on yeah. actually experiencing it before you can 
adjusted some or... of it is mystery i guess um i don't know some of it is probably yeah mystery well, other, or... other than the, <laughs> other than the smell of patchouli incense and probably pot smoke what is what is the experience when you come into this house i like it it's warm like warm feeling yeah like it feels familiar yeah and i think that that room particularly it's nice oh okay well good yeah mm. lazy sunday feeling but that's my personal association i don't live here all the time i'm uh, just coming here on the weekends well that's okay we like that you know i'm just glad you're here oh well speaking of architecture we watched a show last night uh oh. gonna show my... uh grand designs on netflix maybe Ooh, that sounds cool british guy kevin mcleod 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 Clued? I, i'm not sure <laughs> but anyway so uh this lady bought uh an apartment so like if you look at that's my living room so if you look at this is the house in kentucky mm. yeah Dude, nice wall tapestry thing. That's cool as shit. What, the leopard? Yeah. Yeah, my dad shot that. It's 100% leopard, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, people come in, and then the other side, so the lamp, the capiece lamp. And yeah. The, so it's designed to evoke he does love like lamp. this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's designed to evoke a, like... It's designed to evoke, like, an experience when you see that color of Brad, texture. that's pimping color of texture um you know so but again that that stuff i inherited a lot of that stuff so i don't i didn't pick it out i merely put it together like it's part of my past which is what i tell young couples like yourselves uh are don't try to fill every space in in your house because you'll find the perfect item to go there it might be something you inherit it might be something you buy together it might be something that just rolls into your life you know and so I think people, I think part of the, the commercialism that we have is people trying to fill up space, just like Americans trying to fill up conversation, fill up sound in a space that's vacant of sound. Because mm. um, if you go to some other countries where they don't talk as much, you find that you f feel uncomfortable because there's silence, right? And many cultures are fine with silence. Um, we are not. No, not yeah, at all. We are not. Well, uh, a great piano player by the name of Thelonious Monk said it's more important what you don't play than what you do play, or the space between the notes. Yeah. Some some facsimile thereof. Yeah, and yeah. a fast left hand. Yes, yeah, and an arbitrary dissonant chording, but that's different. What you said uh, really rings true with my last two Christmases, because they have literally been the only two Christmases that I actually enjoyed shopping for people because mm -hmm. I decided I was just going to go out and I wasn't going to force finding something for people like, oh, I need to find something for this person and it needs to fit this like this certain bill. It was just I would see something and if it was natural and if I really wanted to get it for somebody, then I would do it. If I didn't, wait until next time. You know, don't, that, don't force items on people. Or right. Don't force and you have to be able natural. to feel that you're okay with that like which you were so once you got over the guilt of being okay with that like like if i don't get them something this year i'll find something better next year yeah kind of deal and there's no no problem with that um or i don't need to i guess as you said like fill the 
silence up with something right if it's not worth doing and i think that's one thing we have to learn maybe it's because our culture is so um young but it might not be because i i think of other cultures that are really old that talk a lot or that that are very you know every there's so much color in every space in their house or whatever what would you define as a young versus old culture i consider southeast asian cultures old compared to us hmm hmm you know i guess i guess in theoretically they've they've been around longer though i think there's more and more proof these days that there were settlements on this continent the oldest city of record i think is damascus remember we talked about that before yeah i think that's the oldest city um the oldest continuous city and why is my geography failing me Damascus Syria. is in Syria. Okay, yeah. yeah. They've blown the shit out of parts of it. Yeah, right. um, but uh, it, it, the city with the same name, same idea of what the city is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, when I say culture, I mean the identity of American culture, mm. of what it means to be. Like if you say the culture of France or the culture of Britain or the culture of Spain... Um, America is a younger Iraq, country than all those. The idea of America is a lot younger. Yeah. Well, we, we could probably say the idea of America versus the idea of what Iraq is, is would also be young, even though the, the, because the conception of what Iraq is now, and what it was 150 years ago is way different. Yeah. You know? So I'd say it's probably young too. Whereas the, the, the idea of, uh, and just like Italy is young, right? But Rome is not young, right? Yeah. So, but Rome... I mean, Italy Rome, is a country. Italy's not Rome any longer, right? Yeah. And so the identity of what makes someone Italian... Um, I mean, it's a lot older than us, but it's, it's still not the same thing as the identity of being a Roman, right? Yeah. So Rome is a city in Italy. Rome is not the center of an empire, any longer well then by right. that by that virtue right culture changes over time right so so then if you do we even know what american culture is now really it's changing it used to be one thing if it was ever firmly established really previously right so now we have a, a new like a new thing you know, equal rights for people of color, equal rights for LGBTQ. This is challenging and changing our idea of our culture. Right. Right. So then I think major demographic shifts would be right. Yeah. Changes in culture. Right. Mean that you're having cultural changes. Right. Which is, I think, good. Can be disruptive. Some of those changes might have happened without a demographic shift, say sexuality changes, because they would be a constant probably within most populations. So, um, but you're saying because if, if all the different cultures coming together makes people more tolerant in general, therefore they're more tolerant over sexuality or whatever. Race, religion. Right, religion. Mm. Sexuality and religion probably are two we could kind of put together because you could be the same race and be two different religions, different sexualities, 
you know, those kind of things. But I would say, yeah, our, our culture, culture is always evolving, um, sometimes not in the way the citizens necessarily want it to. So um, the thing, I, the chapter I was working on is the idea of the constitution of power, like how does power creates the, the government, right, because it's a fiction. Yeah, what was the purpose of that screenshot? I couldn't pick up a lot from it. I was just working. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was yeah. going to be late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to talk about it? No, I mean, we can or, talk about it, but... Um, that's what we're here to do. Oh, yeah, okay. talk about whatever the hell we want to. Um, so I was, I was just... That's what I'm thinking about right now in this particular chapter I'm outlining is like how power, how the idea of the United States came about and how that idea hit collected energy and became from a fiction to a reality, right? Which became the United States of America, hmm. right? Which became a reality, but, but before that it was an idea, right? And, and it's certainly a fiction, but because so many people believe into it, it is actually a reality in our, in our, the way we experience it is as a reality. Hmm. So we can all frame up an idea, but how do we see it collectively through the eye? Huh? Okay. If people believe something that's fictional, does that make it real? On a certain level, yes. All right. Sure. Can you take away the certain level part? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, but I know it's like... Um... No, enough people have to believe it to make it real. So the number of people that believe something changes whether it's true or not. Objectively? Truth, like, okay, if you want to really get into truth yeah. arguments, we can do that. Um, so there are facts, normally single facts, multiple truths. So whoever believes it makes it their truth. Mm -hmm. But that's still, that's why the Enlightenment was such a, a revolutionary thing, because it started dealing with facts, which were a standard, versus the truth, which is not necessarily a standard. Subjective at best. Right. To people's experience, to their mental capacity, to their, um, their literary knowledge, certainly in, in modernism, to whatever. Right. So... Um, that's why they do big T truths, little T truths when they're talking about it. But enough people believe it, the truth is kind of forced on you if enough people believe it. Well, if you're in a Which is context. why it's so dangerous for too many people to believe too much stuff that might be dangerous to other people, which creates discrimination and oppression and just all those other things. Yeah, because if, they if might believe it. If you're dealing in a context where... Things are going to be judged by, like, if you're dealing in social context, then people believing it to be true is going to be your highest form of truth. Right. I mean, because it's, it's tautological. That's like the definition of it. Mm -hmm. um, but would you separate that from, yeah, I think what you referred to as being like a factual. Right. So the Enlightenment well. provided something called the scientific revolution. <laughs> You know, that allowed people to kind of isolate stuff through the idea of Octom's razor, where you shave off to the smallest part that you can observe, and then we observe it, and then we take down the findings, and we do that multiple times, 
and then we kind of say that this probably will happen the next time, and then we generalize it back to whatever experience we're having or, or the population or whatever. Sorry. So, um, right? Because that's the way the scientific yeah, science, yeah. science works, right? So you try to... You, you you try to well you're supposed to put it in the null hypothesis and you try to prove the negative so you don't get um, confirmation bias. But well, and it's much easier to disprove something than it is to you prove can't that really something's prove, true. Right? Science never really proves something. It proves that this happens this many times. Therefore, when we induce it back to the entire population, which is why induction as a thinking process is fraught with errors. Because when you induce it back to the population, then you the, your error margin gets a lot larger. Yeah. And that's why you see all, you know, when you take a prescription drug, you see all the stuff that it could do to you, right? Because, but it most likely it won't because they've tried it on 100,000 people. But that doesn't mean the 101st thousand person is not going to have some kind of adverse reaction to it. Yeah. Um, and well, there's always that specter, which is why with this virus vaccine that people are freaking out, because there's always that specter of that generalization, there could be an error in it. Well, then what about things that are generally regarded as universal truths that lots of people believe in that we know aren't real? Uh, something you mean, as, something, are they true or not? Yeah, or some, something as simple as a, as a QAnon, but but as complex as organized religion. Yeah. Well, again, uh, Harari would say that organized religion is a is a fiction that we've come up with to um, organize the world. Right. Just like the nation state. Sure. Right? Okay. Or 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 the family structure. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a way to organize the world. Um, so we can understand it better, so we can um, subdue it. Like the nation states allowed us to subdue. The corporation actually has allowed us to subdue the power of nature, right? And But it's certainly a fiction. The corporations are, only exist on paper, right? And, and, and the idea that we will, will um, you know, get along in a group of 100, larger than 100, requires... A, re- Harari would say requires a fiction, and his his. You're talking about the same guy that wrote Sapiens. Yeah, or you Harari? all know Harari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So he's a great person to You've read, read that because Deidre did. Deidre read it. Yeah, yeah. He's a great person to kind of peg that on because his his phenomenology of that is is really sound. Like it's really believable and sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are facts of religion. There are facts of religion. But the truth of a religion is 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 the fiction that Harari would be talking about. The mm-hmm. idea of, like, is this religion a reality? We could say that if you were being stretched by the Grand Inquisitor, right, that religion was very much a reality, right? Even though the truth of it existing is, you know, the truth of the idea of what that religion said right, might right. be a fiction, right? right? Or might... might we don't know whether it's a fiction or not, right? Is a be- is a better way to put it for, hmm. for people of faith because I don't I don't discount people of faith, right? I don't discount there's there's the the you know the fact that they are people of faith. You should never discount their their ability to do that because you have faith in a lot of things that aren't real. So hmm. <laughs> or Everybody's or that about something or not real, but that are questionable so far as the evidence that we know at, at to this point. Right. Okay. Well, so, is it sufficient though to say that something's true because you feel that it's true? 
I think that's the that's way you make it. Usually, right. yeah, that's the, how you get I mean, it. If I talk to people about religion, if I talk to people how they feel about Jesus, then it right. ultimately comes down to feeling that right. this is true. And Right. And if you do not believe in Jesus, you're trying to translate their experience into your lived experience. And so there's a great article by Louisa Bergdahl that talks about like this idea of translation. Like when you're around religious people, um, it's really hard article because it's kind of like chunky with philosophical terms. But it, she kind of says that it's so difficult for you to understand that experience if you're an atheist or like a Buddhist to understand um, some of the tropes of, of being, uh, you know, a, a, a Muslim, right? And so, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like that the, the idea that you translate it, you're putting it into your own experience and trying to figure out what it is, is good, though, because you have to constantly keep doing that, even though there's something that's always lost in translation, which is their experience. I think the, the intellectual exercise of trying to understand it right air quotes is counterproductive oh, I to know. the experience because if you want well if you want to the thing that make the thing that's going to make somebody sympathetic or understanding of somebody who's religious is going to be to live with them and experience it but then you're trying them. to understand it yeah but you're not intellectually oh, you're, you're trying you, oh, okay, experientially okay. you can understand right. it and that feeling will like that that feeling or that sympathy will grow in you right. but like you can't like you're not going to get anywhere trying to like just like purely intellectually understand it like let me put put myself you you can't right you well, can't there, think there, yourself into a like into a religion well there's an argument to be it, made it's that... about practice it's about experience and then it's about feeling that's that's true um can, but know everything about a religion and know nothing about it at the same time right so you're 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 talking about translation being an intellectual act versus translation being a all-encompassing kind of i'm not saying it's one thing or the other i'm saying that i've never thought of that before none of my students have ever talked about that before it's interesting though but but you but there's i guess an argument to be made for approaching things uh, uh unencumbered by intellectualism because sometimes it's the feeling not so much the thought. Yeah. But I... the feeling a lot of times is wrong. Probably more than not, the feelings are wrong. What's wrong about it? Because <laughs> it's not logical, right? You well, said that doesn't make it untrue. Yeah, but but we've, we've also kind of determined that truth is not necessarily a reality check, right? And so, or a, a fact check. Or whatever. So, um, if you read Daniel Kahneman's book *Thinking Fast and Slow*, he talks a lot about what you see is really probably what it is, and not some massive conspiracy or some little like your wife probably is not cheating on you, right? If if you found her shoes in the wrong place, like you're you're making like an intuitive error yeah. because we're designed to make those errors. Yeah. We've talked about those before. It's beneficial. Right. Yeah. It, we, the, the people that survived were the people that made those errors because yeah. otherwise they got their ass, their ass eaten by a leopard or by stomped by an elephant or the thing that or, you see that you don't know what it is. It's more beneficial to assume it's the worst thing right, possible right. rather than something. And so our minds innocuous. are so powerful. We can make these, these gigantic intuitive fallacies around 
and pull in all these stuff that really doesn't match because Kahneman says there's two systems running. System one, which is your intuitive system, which is really, really quick to make decisions. It's very, very efficient. And then there's your rational system, which is pretty lazy and it's inefficient. So your body doesn't like to use it very much. It takes up almost all of your energy, um, which is like when you're, you can tell the difference when your intuitive system's running and your other system is, is you do things really fast, like brush your teeth, like get your car started, get dressed in the morning, all these different things that are really, really intuitive, recognize your friends, your family, all, all the these times things. You're like, Did I actually lock the door to my right, house? Right, and the right. fact that you're thinking about it actually means that you probably did it. It's right, just, right. Yeah. So right. It, but there's always that time that you didn't, which freaks you out. Like your wife could be cheating on you, right? But she probably isn't. Or your sunroof could be open, but most likely it's closed. But in that it's raining, you might run down there and check. Yeah. Right. And so... And it's not that, it's just that your your brain's designed to be super efficient, right? And so it doesn't want to cut on the rational system because it takes a lot of energy to run it, right? That's like when you're typing a new chapter in a book or you're making a new piece of music. It just exhausts you or you're using directions to find a new place in the city without using a GPS. That's kind of like, and we can even talk about this are the technologies creating new intuitive systems for us, right? Yeah, there's intuition versus, so feeling mm. rational. Would Just be... like the GPS, is that like a new intuitive system? Because you're really mad if Google sends you to the wrong place, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> we rely on it like an intuitive system because it's so efficient and fast, right? And we're, we're naturally trying to do things the cheapest, quickest, you know, all those different efficiency modalities for the use of our energy. Okay, do we want to wrap this back around to the the or the two system philosophy to the religious question or the question of like social social truth versus like right. objective I, I don't truth think we need or... to stick on religion because it, that's just a member of the bodies of whatever we're talking about. Yeah, but so I don't the, necessarily the want to pick truth, on religion. Though. Right? Yeah. Okay, if something. It okay if something if you feel like something is true versus something being logically true, I right. mean, is one of those better than the other? Are we just going to accept that they're just two oh, kind of different modules? One is much better than the other if we believe in science. We would say that the rational system normally is much better, and all of our systems are based on rational choice theory, like economics. Like most of the social theories and are. And why is that better? Because it works better? Because it, it makes our lives better? Because you can create a standard from it. Yeah. Like the law. But you're not going to get, right. I mean, without the other system that you're not going to get people to accept it. You're not going to make, it's not going to make yeah, people the buy happy. In, the, which is why what we've people, seen yeah, in the current political feelings. thing, people buy in with feelings. Yeah. They literally will do great leaps of faith and fill in the blanks like unbelievably to to reinforce that buy-in. Like yeah. dress like, up like Jamiroquai and storm the Capitol. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and we're not, okay, so... <laughs> Let's bring it to the, I mean, the capital thing or wait, to wait, 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 let's, let's pause for thing. just a second. Did you want to say something in the last thing? You were getting ready to say something. I don't I ran over I you then, Joey. That. Oh, kept just going. The efficiency. You're talking about efficiency, about, you know, we want to do things as cheap, quick, easy, efficient, mm -hmm. intuitive, whatever. But it's not always to our benefit. No. 
Uh, it, right. It was probably it at one be. time. Right. Yeah. And it's not to say that it isn't always or not or not always beneficial. I'm just saying that, of course, you guys know me. I, I'm always pushing for more self-reliance, you know, getting into my transcendental roots again. You know what Yeah. I mean? Are you a thinker or a feeler? Oh, God damn. I think it's a curse of both. Isn't it? What? Yeah. I don't know that about you. I, I think I would much. assume that you think. I so I think the intuitive system. So leading off of that, we'll get back to what you want to say. Leading off of that, I think the intuitive system is can be trained to be more accurate. Right. Ooh. Because I don't think that's true. I think that's true because it's something called automodality. So when you first learned how to brush your teeth, it was not part of an intuitive system. It was you were definitely using your rational thought to brush this side, then that side, yeah. then this side, then that side. Mm-hmm. But now it's automatic. Okay. Right? Or driving a car. Like originally to drive a car, you were 10 and 2, right? Um, yeah. Unless you learn how I did when my dad drank beer and I drove yeah. when I was like 10 years old. Um, but but still, I can remember being horrified and making sure because he would reach around and but smack me on the back of the head. Yeah, but that's adding that's adding a song to the repertoire. It's not changing it the instrument, though. It does change the instrument. It makes me a car driver. Makes you a better player. Makes you a musician. It can make you a, a philosopher. Ooh, I don't know. Come on, people's come on, if the program. <laughs> people's intuition. If it if if intuition is innate, though, then it can't be trained. It exists. It it is what it is. Well, uh, okay. Like, well, what? I wouldn't say an intuition is innate. You what? learn it. You learn it. You I would say you learn some how of to it respond to it. You learn how to interpret right. it. Right. But that's everything. Or calibrate it. Right. But it's still there, though. Right. So fear is part of intuition, like sh- like the the need for structure, the need for human interaction. Probably all of that are the drivers of intuition plus efficiency. The largest driver of intuition is probably efficiency. But I think people, I think meditation makes your intuition different, right? That that system one different. It it's less reactionary. It's more muted. It kind of flows with a different energy. Mm. I would say that's probably why the stress level goes down when people begin to meditate because that system gets uh, gets like either muted or like restructured, right? And maybe microdosing does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like for people with PTSD, and I, we're not doctors, so we're, we we can't really say that. But like the the microdosing that they're current doing at John Hopkins for people with PTSD, like it it's been shown to do all kinds of things, maybe that is reducing the power of their intuitive systems, which see and which sees enemies everywhere. Yeah. Right. Rationally, they know there's no enemies there, but, and their rational system is fighting with their intuitive system because their intuitive system has saved their lives over and over and over and over again. Mm. Right. And so, um, always better to respond than to react if you can help it. Then again, I guess every reaction is a response. Yeah, what's the difference between a reaction and a response? I suppose that one sounds more beneficent or more... Like the response has contemplation behind it instead I, of just being... Yeah. And no adrenaline. No. In general, maybe not adrenaline, not cortisol, not so your thinking capacity remains 
intact versus if cortisol is running through your system, you lose a ton of your thought processes. Okay, well, that would be like a system one and system two balance then. Right. That right. wouldn't be a difference in system one. No, I would say like it expands. I would say your ability to train it. I think it's trainable. I don't think I don't think you can ever kind of stop it from the initial if a car is swerving at you it comes on and does what it needs to do. Like, yeah. I don't think that you can stop it from doing that. If you're naturally a suspicious, I'm naturally a critical person, right? Um, although I want everyone to get along, so I'm in terrible conflict, right? Because I want to tear everything apart, but I want everything to stay together. You and you are on a path of love. I know. <laughs> your instinct to tear things apart, though, would be a system one thing. Like, you're responding right. to an emotional need right. to do that. And then intellectually, though, you're like, hey. I'm a weaver. I want everything woven together. Yeah. I want everybody to get along. Well, I want then, everybody smiling. But then that would be part of the benefit of meditation or microdosing or even uh, dosing heavily because <laughs> ultimately. No, no. I mean, ultimately, right. what, I think what happens is what's reaffirmed in that. If, you're, if, it's, if, it, if it goes well for you, is that a sense of oneness and unity with yourself and with the world around you and your community and all that. And I think that that having a sense of warmth and unity, I think can help people achieve and become more present, which would then be, I think more refined and more, uh, the intellect gets sharper. Right. And I, yeah. and, that, and that's what, that's what I fear with the technology is that it, even though it helps us be more efficient, I feel like in some ways it makes us less present. And the reason why mm -hmm. I say it is it is trainable is because I think of intellectuals... Because you want it to be, even though it's not? Well, it could be. <laughs> could be, could be. But because I've seen people's thought process change um, as I'm training them to be teachers or as I'm training them to be, be many philosophers or whatever, at, at, or critical thinkers. Like I've seen, um, you know, Heidegger said that real learning had to change you, literally hmm. change you or you haven't learned it. Yeah. Right. And so is that change the intuitive change? Is it like, so your automodality all of a sudden works lightning speed when you see a news article and you're like, eh, that doesn't seem like that's true. Or that doesn't seem like that, that, that has a lot of holes in it. Like they're stretching that where someone else that saw it without that training, without that training over and over again, that trained their intuitive system, then they would perceive that as the truth instantly. Right. Yeah. Is that why that the majority of, of, of college edu educated people are centrist or lean more, more towards, um, you know, the, the liberal side of it is that because liberalism is more biased towards facts. And so, and, and that particular critical thinking training, because I mm. can remember a conservative piece came out and they're like, they don't want people to, they don't want kids to learn critical media theory. Cause they think that's a liberal thing. Right, because it teaches you huh. how to decode media. No, but if anything, critical media theory seems like that's oh, a conservative a home run. It's not. It really isn't. They say it's a liberal conspiracy in the public school system. To um, I, I, I literally read a, a conservative comment. I wish I, I I need to start. 
pocketing these things because I have a thing that called Pocket where I can pull the article into a a, fo a folder. And um, but yeah, so you should just print it out and put it in a physical folder. I could do that too. Yeah, I need a printer, so I have this thing. So my current dilemma is I bought a new printer yesterday because I, I some of my mom's forms got screwed up. Either I didn't put the right number on them, or the one we were scanned at the, the financial company that got scanned wrong. So I bought this new printer. Well, guess what? It doesn't. It's probably use. a vast conspiracy against you. It probably <laughs> probably is. Yeah. terrible. Right, right. One, trying yeah. to keep me from making money. Yeah. Right. And anyway, so whatever it is, it's all. It's got to all be about you, though, yeah, and super of personal. Of course. Well, <laughs> so Time Warner. I bought this. Not Time Warner. I bought this thing from Spectrum. This I rented, you know, I got the stuff to have cable in my my unit because it we have like Wi-Fi is terrible. And so I got the thing in there and I got a new router. The router only is 5G. It'll switch to 2G, but for some reason it, my printer won't recognize it because it's only a 2G printer. Mm. So then my printer's worthless. The one I just bought. Yeah. Right. Unless I go get a new router. So then I was cussing out Spectrum. And, like, why do they have to make it so difficult? Like, Sounds like the beginning of a 5G conspiracy theory with lizard people and child rapists and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You guys want some pizza for lunch? And Brad's printer. <laughs> and my printer. But <laughs> nice. needless to be said, we've digressed. <laughs> needless to be said, the uh, the I, I, I really believe probably that that intuitive system can't be fundamentally changed, mm -hmm. but it can be it can be given new parameters to operate under. And I think those parameters can make you a more critical thinker. But or you can't... A, a better a, 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 a better photographer who sees by practicing this stuff over and over again, they pick up the camera, they instantly see that beautiful composition, a left lead, the sky in the background, the water in the background, whatever it is that makes that. Okay, I'm going to agree with you, but I would posit that you cannot train system one using system two. You can't think yourself or you can't conceptually decide that you're going to feel differently or that your apparatus for feeling is going to be different. It has to be practiced. Right. Well, that's education. Yeah. Well, right. but everything's so, a practice. Sure. Um, I mean, you know. No. Well, I think that people think that they can think their way into something Even because i realize Megan it's true practiced. i should feel it's true <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so yeah you're it, not good at that out of the gate even though it's intuitive yeah. okay and i've been working on that for about 15 years yeah yeah okay with right. someone else i gotta get a drum hit. that's with someone else. yeah, so, yeah, yeah you yeah. have drums yeah they're in a closet in the back you could do it's just a little snare yeah you no know, well what's the but you got a drum machine at the end, yeah. right? You got a drum machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I could play a fat beat every time I make a joke. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, we could do a song. We could do like a, I don't know. Speaking of songs, songs did, did I, I sent you a, a track from the record that I'm working on. For some reason, it wouldn't show up on my phone. It just I thought was it was a just a mix. Did I, I? Well, I sent him a track from a record. Oh. I sent you a mix this morning, didn't I? Yeah. Jazz on YouTube? Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. Okay. All right. Well, oh no, that like was the, the one I couldn't thing. see. Okay, that was the mix from this morning. That was the okay. jazz mix. I'll have to resend it to you separately. I guess. Did you send one last night? Uh, I sent you a track from a record I've been working on. I don't normally share these things with people. Random acts of kindness. Yes, because you're okay. self-conscious. I forgot about that. Uh, no, because it's in progress, and because I'm self-conscious. 
self-conscious about the singing or the music? The singing, more than anything. We should play. I'll sing. You oh, sing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was I was tracking vocals before you guys got here this morning. All right. Yeah. It's nice. Very, it's, Stella. It's very pitchy. What do you mean by pitchy? Um, Some people like Bob Dylan can use that as a as a vocal. Sure. I, th- I, I, I don't know. Bob Dylan sings in tune, though. He's definitely in tune despite easy, the weirdness of his easy voice. Easy with that. Well, what? No, okay, so I'm not sure how much Bob Dylan here's, I, here's, and I don't want to be killed saying. by some Bob Dylan people, but it's you know, it's it's I'm um, not sure how in tune he is. Yeah, no, he's not. I mean, he very is. few vocal parts for like any kind of major production are ever released with vocals like out of tune. He's Have he, you listened to punk rock lately? What? No, their shit is not in tune. What? Ramones? They're in tune. No, that's Joe not. Strummer sings four notes, but they're always the damn in tune. Screaming we listened to earlier <laughs> was not in tune. Well, maybe, maybe not that. The, cat, but the cows like, never tried to be in tune. Right. Exactly. That was one of their strengths. Right. Right. I think right. most. That's mo- what I was saying. That's Bob Dylan. I think he's never been considered a vocalist. No, no, no. But I think right. The, he's the a songwriter. With that people saying it's like it's like Neil Young. Which Neil Young, I think, is better than Bob Dylan, but he still has that. He gets he gets close to the notes sometimes, uh, and he gets on the notes sometimes. But I think his his idea is the picture that he paints with his music. Yeah, like the ideas that he paints. I think the problems that people uh, which is have what Dylan does not traditionally good vocals in popular music are not the fact that the singers are out of tune though. It, no okay so look you have to look at it like this it's it's um it's a matter of being in tune with what the artist is doing so okay what it is is i just realized go ahead well, okay, I, so, I interrupted you well, no, like, okay so like with dylan <laughs> I, I have an answer I, i'm no I, i'm no critic in that sense but, an answer but dylan no, not a, necessarily a the an, okay yeah, dylan yeah, sounded answer. good for what dylan did like he was perfect for the music he was making you couldn't put anyone else you couldn't put anyone else's voice in that music i enjoy bob dylan doing bob dylan songs much more than covers of bob right, dylan correct, songs. right right so so and that's so it's By always a matter vocalists. of like um whoever whoever the vocalist or whatever the vocal is doing does it suit is it is it right with the music Right. There have been really, really incredible bands where the music has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And maybe the message in the lyrics, if there was one, was good, right. you know, were enjoyable. But the execution or the sound or the singing or the vocal presentation was not so great. Right. Vice versa, you have people who sing, who have lungs like pipe organs. They're mm-hmm. amazing, make you weep. But the music that backs it is terrible. Is awful. Yeah. So my, my self-consciousness is that I know that my voices nasally and that I tend to sing a little flat and that I've always been a little pitchy. So like I can hear where I want to go, but my voice can't get there without cracking sometimes. That's training. And part of my problem is what I hear in my own music vocally. Often I am not, I personally am not able to reproduce. So I give it my best college try and then I mix it and and soup it in enough effect reverb whatever i'm doing that i am content with how it sounds in the sonic palette much like a painting in that sense because i know i I know i can't get to that octave or that place but if i can do something and then make it sound like a color within the music right then i can be more content with it 
So the track that I sent you is a track where you're singing. Yes. Okay. I, I do all the instrumentation and all the singing okay. except for the drums. But the but the but the idea with that track was I'd sent that to some people and they said, Oh well, we really enjoyed this is really great. This track in particular, I was not able vocally to achieve what I wanted to do, what I heard, mm. but I was able to dress it up enough that as it sits in the mix, mm -hmm. I find it very pleasing and acceptable. Just make sure you treat your regular voice and your falsetto as two totally separate voices. And because I do. if you try to stretch yourself up, then you're going to hurt yourself. Right. And, and that's where I have the cracking. It's a totally different mechanism. Right. And the breaking. Yeah. So a standard thing in singing um, um, is that you you push out or you, you, you reverberate your voice in your thing and it kind of comes out. Right. In falsetto, you pull it and drop it on two the note right. that's the it, visually when you think about it in your mind you drop it um onto that area right. but i've had a lot of vocal training it's practice to keep you from being pitchy you need to be doing windmills and all kinds of things like yeah. that and practice not with sam here <laughs> right, right, right 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 but in practice because that changes your ability to to do just a standard ah uh, right, right. or ah, uh, right. you know the, the difference in, but that's all. Right. I mean, some of it is probably a little bit of natural talent, but I've had a lot of voice lessons. Yeah. And give your vocal cords as a reed that you're blowing, blowing air across. Well, you feel like when you practice it over and over again, you feel where the correct spot right. is right. for you to push on that or or allow the air to pass over that and sometimes i'll, I'll pitch um, myself on the piano and if mm -hmm. i can get one take then i'll just pull everything out and i'll just try to match myself does that make sense to so, that one note on the piano or or to the recording so like if i can right. sing mostly mm -hmm. and hit it then mm -hmm. in the recording i'll just amplify that one that i got and just try to double it and match it mm -hmm. and then if i try to do like fifths fourths or octaves then I just try to find it where I where to my ear it sounds right, and then I'll I'll lay it in. So what? you know where it is. It's a matter of your voice matching I where you know where it, it is, right. right? And that is nothing but practice. Where like being I find it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't really hear yourself yourself either, though, because you've got a lot of resonance in your skull. You sure, don't hear I, yourself the way other people hear you. And I have deafening tinnitus. So I, I have to have the, in my headphones, I have to have everything up at such a level that I can only work for but so long because it's mm -hmm. like, it, it's a... Uh... And of course, we we also perceive music differently individually. So like, you, like think so? you might think something like, I, I have the standard thing where I think that that didn't sound very good, but everybody else think it sounded pretty good. Right. So, and I was like, so okay, you well, tend that's to be a taste thing, or is it potentially that we're actually hearing literally like two different things? Or is it just that we're judging I don't know. It differently? I don't know. Because the way your ear operates, if, ears are made differently. Yeah. And right? so, so our audio say, systems and homes and walls, all this stuff accounts for everything that you hear. From an evolutionary perspective, it would be hugely beneficial, though, for people to have like a common standard like we relatable do. and for us to like, you know, it, we do, but they're, they have to do with whatever genre of music you're in. Right. right. Which is how kind of we've spread the ability to make a lot of different kinds of music like opera versus country. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's different standards for opera than there are for country. I heard Deidre thinks your tractor is sexy. Yeah. Right. She you doesn't got, like country music. I, I like country music. 
I have a deep-seated affection for it. Yeah, it depends. But part of liking country music is also complaining about country music today or these days. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't like the kids these days with their music, like those kind of conversations, born in the wrong decade. I think people are way Isn't too Isn't that funny snobbish. you're having those conversations now? No, I'm criticizing that conversation. Oh, oh, oh. oh. But you're doing it as an adult, like... I'm, you My think the music conversation back is then. not necessary or it's dismissive? I think people are self-righteous about the music they like. And they think that disliking contemporary music and liking older music or disliking popular music and liking less popular music makes them better. And it makes them feel good about themselves. Well, all I can say is two things. Is that if you know more about lesser known and underground music and you're good on it, that does make you better than everyone else, which is why I'm better than everyone else. I knew that was coming. <laughs> At least you're honest. That's about his it. snobbery. Yeah, all, all kidding, it's like me with clothes. Yeah. Or all kidding or aside, though. Whatever. All kidding aside, though. Here, here's what I here's what I have. That's on. how I am with books. This is something yeah, I, yeah. I, I figured out only recently is that um, if it brings somebody joy, regardless of how I feel about it, it's wrong of me to tear that down. I try to think like that. But what if tearing it down makes you feel good? It's, it does. And it doesn't hurt them. Yeah, but but it uh, it doesn't matter if it brings someone else joy. If my if so, look, you should so, feel good for them. Yeah, so it's like it's like it's kind of like a new personal mission. I just want to see people be more happy. <laughs> oh God! And no, no, no. And no, this, we, we've talked about this, yes, like the whole like the whole purpose of doing the, some of this podcast, right? And, these videos, which, by the way, did you... Okay, you can't think to yourself, I'm going to be less negative. You just have to be less negative. Right. Otherwise... Well, I'm, I mean, but I'm yeah. trying to act on the idea, right? Yeah. So, but, but so... Give if, it power. Yeah, if it brings somebody joy, I'm not going to... It would be... What a horrible person I am to tear somebody down. But... but You like, shouldn't judge yourself so all, all these All these videos and stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's a paradox there, too. Yeah, but, you're being negative towards yourself. No, no, I, I think I'm being critical, not negative. Uh, uh, Kierkegaard. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, love, God. Yeah, um, love, uh, love another as you love, your, as you love yourself. So well, the prerequisite mean, of that is loving yourself yeah, as well, you would another. Does that mean I need to jerk off my neighbors? Well, you get it. it depends on love and others. Lo- okay, never yeah. mind. Anyway, so look, it's an old Rod- Rodney Dangerfield joke. But, Consensually, but no, but yeah. but um um um. Respect uh, yourself. Shoot, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Oh, hey, no, no. Talking about that, you just all I all I, I guess all I'm saying is that if you want to see more joy and more whatever, sometimes you have to be able to take yourself out of it. Hmm. I think sometimes that's the key to joy and happiness is taking yourself out of it. I think, but I don't know that for a fact. But it would be wrong mm. of me to tear people down. Now, if if I this goes back to you know perception, fact, and and all this kind of thing. But if I perceive, like we discussed the guy the one time, and I think we talked to you about this. I think we were all talking about this was a while ago about the guy that was in the coffee shop talking about the bridges or the tunnels or something, and he was saying something that that was demonstrably false. Like like uh, and you and you listen yeah, to the guy, but you never, but you never interrupted familiar. him, right? Because because you didn't want to start a conflict. We because, were talking about this at, at Owen's place. Yeah, how, like how yeah, would you how would you approach when. this without starting a conflict? So I, I mean, again, I guess if it's something that I perceive to be bad, you know, that's hurting someone, then I then I guess I would in, in, inter, interrupt and say, hey man, or hey, you know, excuse me, whoever. Da, da, da. But if if something like I don't like Taylor Swift. But if someone says to me, man, Taylor Swift gives me so much joy, I can reserve my judgment if it makes them happy. But if it makes them happy does, and you like people being happy, does that mean you also like Taylor Swift? Say you like Taylor Swift. I don't. 
So Taylor Swift, say, <laughs> say Taylor Swift has great music. I don't. Think so. I don't think so. Chandler, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but <laughs> I don't feel that way. Okay, you guys came in and I was and I was playing the cows and Brad said Brad was surprised that I was listening to rock and roll. I, I am, no, and I was surprised that what you were listening to is classified almost, as music. Yeah. yeah okay. See, well, it was just because right. it was so damn early in the morning. I mean, early enough in the morning to right. hear like like headbanging. Okay. No, I now love that record Kay. because you love it and because it's it's freaking weird and also beautifully terrible well but it, 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 <laughs> beautifully it, terrible. if anything i would hope that's that our you, new words i would hope that terrible let's put it like this so like um beautifully terrible um i can appreciate taylor swift insofar as she has become part of popular culture specifically as it pertains to kanye using her salaciously in lyrics of songs it, and if there were no taylor swift then there would be no i'm gonna let you finish famous right yeah exactly so there's that but at the same time, I would hope that you would think positively about the cows in the sense of you heard a snippet of something that you personally don't classify as anything called music, which is great. And that's fine. I was exaggerating. Well, no, no, but, but I wasn't when I was saying what the hell uh, was that Yeah, shit? but but your argument is not unfounded, but that it would be the kind of thing that it would at least enlighten you to something that may be a subset of something that you didn't know existed, whether or not you wanted to investigate it otherwise. Yeah. And it created this conversation. And I sure. enjoyed thinking about it as either being or not being music. Yeah. So it's a conversation starter, kind of like going out on a first date with someone and playing Carl Heinz Stockhausen. When you get back to the house, you're not going to get laid, but you're going to have an date? interesting conversation. <laughs> oh, a date is like a fruit. Ah. <laughs> um, okay. okay. The art. Nah. Okay. The art point music point. Um, if you make, uh god what's his uh, the minimalist composer you can john cage yeah you can make music just like you can make visual art where the entire point of it is just to make you question what is music what like is Keith art Jarrett. yeah is that actually that art guy. the piano player yes oh my god i love him i just, just bought a record drive his... me crazy I my stepfather listen to him I'm like what the <laughs> fuck is this like, Brad, what's your least gone. favorite kind of music? Uh, this. I just bought that that album. I have no. It's Brad's not. Least I like favorite piano, on vinyl. I like piano playing, but not. <laughs> Jared, he has no rhythm. Like he just has. He just like randomly just plays shit. Like I don't know. I just feel like his structure is lacking. I don't know. I think I think he can be lyrical. Does music need to have a beat to be music? We played it for you. Nowadays, it sounds like it's a mistake. Nowadays, it okay. absolutely does. What's What's the difference between um, audio art and music, right? So you can, can have sounds that oh, are artistic. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is that necessarily? Does music encompass that? Because they do create that? audio art. That's a, like a loop that you see in a museum that does something to you as you're experiencing the music. Yeah. But it's not necessarily considered like a song or a. But, yeah. Would you yeah. call it a song? Would you call it music? I don't know. You could. There's, um, there's a there's a really good book uh, by a Sufi mystic called Hazrat Eniyat Khan. I think it's called The Sound of Music or The Nature of Sound. I have it in the back. I'll have to go grab it. But um, it's all about your perception. What What is perceived as noise to some is beautiful music to others. 
beautiful music or beautiful noise? Like what? Again, I mean, well, you okay? You can make the argument. There's a sound there's, versus music. There's a oh great. Well, you can make an argument that there's difference between sound and noise or music and noise, but then you can uh, also say that again, like um, noise sounds bad. Well, like okay, so people like who word. use feedback, like popular po- popular rock, went through a period where people were using a lot of dynamics and feedback, mm-hmm. and the way that they were structuring that in their compositions, it 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 sounded very nice and lush. So this arbitrary noise that most people would find disgusting and grating was used in a way that people, other people found to be very like Jimmy. Right. Yes. Think of his um, star spangled banner. Yeah. You know, I lost a DJ gig because I played that shit and then, and then got into a, a a verbal disagreement with a customer because they thought it was trash and noise. And I, well, it's not very rhythmic, but it, it was it supposed to be? I don't know. I th- I thought I thought the I still think the national anthem is kind of well downright melancholic. Yeah, it's also really hard to sing. Apparently, yeah. Well, everybody wants it their own damn way, you know. But um, I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to name my least favorite song of all time, which is "Happy Birthday." Oh, okay. That's fair. Um, but okay. Well, so then um, then. So in the okay, so now with COVID, you have places are shut down, right? Um, no, no venues, especially no small venues. Dave Chappelle just got COVID, so all his comedy shows are stopping. But he was hanging out with Rogan and Elon Musk and all these people, right? So they've got bands out around here, small deals, pe- people playing places. See, this is not anything I know about. So I guess so. So then with art, with painting, photography, sculpture. Um, yeah, art, debatable if they should. Art but. showings, music, comedy. Hell, even like uh, just simple stuff like uh, bar trivia, music bingo. Mm. What is the future of this now? Whether it's here or elsewhere. Isn't the consensus that we're pretty much getting over the whole COVID thing? Are oh, we? I don't think that. Uh, back to the conversation. I don't think that is going to change. I think people need to be together. And I think music brings people together, and therefore, I don't think live music is going to change. I hate music bingo. Well, they we play too much of the songs. It's basically, it's just, it's like regular bingo. You still like, do trivia? Huh? They you still do trivia? They stole my yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, we came in fourth place this past week. No one will ever, ever, ever be as amazing as a trivia host as I was. You were unique. It I, definitely wasn't it w- was Jeopardy it? questions. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I've been a little, I'm consistently put off by the, the current trivias because they're very heavy 80s, 90s, 2000s pop cultural rather right. than like the straight kind of Jeopardy deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's me being snobbish kind of. Um. Okay, so do we decide people need to socialize and that they're going to? Well, we're packing yes. right? I mean, yeah. that's the whole point. I think, I mean, just like they've been saying, like, schools are going to change, college is going to change, no one's going to want to go back to college. Are you kidding? Everybody wants to go back to class. Like, there are high school kids that would have skipped, now want to go back to class because they're sick of being at home, being around their parents or whatever. Yeah. Right? They're bored because they didn't realize how much of their sociality came from going to school. Now, mind you, this has no motivation in wanting to learn or be part of any, uh, you know, academic 
Well, part system. of the sociology Uh-oh. is learning together, I would think. <laughs> well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Not sociology. I don't think right, anyone's yeah. outward motivation, like all these people that are stuck at home that want to go back to whatever, you know, whatever they were doing. I think it has more to do with the fact that they don't want to be where they are more than it has to do with, I want to get back to my job or I want to get back to learning. I agree. You know? I mean, I think some people love their jobs, but I think some people, part of why they love their jobs was the people around them that they work with. Right. Right. It made their jobs cool. Um, You know, and without those people, they're like, oh my God, I'm sitting in my living room by myself, you know, and I might be able to wear my boxers and do phone calls and do orders or whatever, but it's not near as fun as sitting around the water cooler, talking about politics, talking about whatever, you know, the show that was on last night. I think people generally need to do that. And I, I think even I was talking to one of my previous students and he was saying, I, out of all the people that should be fine with COVID, I should be fine because he's a super introvert. He said, no, I feel like I need to get the hell out of the house. Hmm. Right. Um, See, I've never, man, I have, I, I tell you, this not affected me like that. But you also are out and about. You're not like he's sitting writing at his computer all day long. Oh, okay. Well, but see, that is, I, I don't know. I guess I want to believe in my mind that due to my intense reclusiveness, that none of this would have ever, if I can go outside in the yard, I'm good. I don't need to, you know, I, like I love seeing you guys and I like to be around and I do get energized by that to a point. Mm. But generally speaking, I could be left completely alone and I think I would be just peachy keen. I think there's two separate issues. There's the socialization part, which people need... I, I think in attention. general, but to varying varying degrees. But then there's also the <laughs> there's there's the structure. There's breaking up like the absolute just like sameness of your daily activity. And I think that's the if you're getting out, if you're going to different places right. on a daily basis to do your job rather than sitting at home and doing your job or sitting at home and doing the same thing, even without the social part, that makes a huge I mean, a I think even difference. you sitting at home mixing music and working on stuff you would get so bored without without some people coming by and checking on you you also live with somebody i also feel like i don't have enough you also do live with somebody right. you're not and dogs unknown. and you got a hundred dogs and as much as you, you hate your phone you use it to communicate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay. embellishing but see but but no, but, but well, part of why i asked this so okay so we watched um i said we i sam tuned in here and there I watched uh, Tenet on Amazon the other night. I heard it's really difficult to understand because it's the you know it's the Chris and I like Christopher Nolan. I like most of his movies. Quick cuts. I like his um, I like his concepts of bending time and space. You know, I like the ideas of those things. But so I had to watch it on this teeny TV that we have. We have a huge one in the back, but we just don't have it hooked up yet. But I had to watch it on this teeny ass TV because we have oh. slow. Wait, what happened to your big TV? It's in the back. They're too oh. scared to leave it up there. It yeah. might crash down and kill somebody. Oh, that's right. You guys have seen that. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just haven't I was excited a... for you. Yeah, we have Now I'm crestfallen. No, okay. No, no, don't, no, don't, don't. I can help you mount the TV. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I yeah. got to get a bigger I've arm for it. But, a couple times. But so we, we were watching the movie and it comes in pixelated and it's slow because the internet sucks and all this <laughs> and there's no movie theater. Like we got great sound. Don't get me wrong, but. Movie theaters are open now. Right, but that but so that's what I'm saying. Like it, w- it was only available in Jacksonville, and it was only mm. one showing for the whole day at six fifteen, and that's it every other day or so. So I, f- I mean, it was cool to be able to watch it here in my house and then split it up instead of having to sit there for three hours while I'm you know busting at the seams to go take a piss. So 
but then like it would have been in my opinion it would have been way cooler to have gone and seen it in a, a large theater, screen yeah, yeah around people and and that kind of thing you feel similar to how uh christopher nolan feels too right you will, he will, pretty much flipped his shit online well, about you can't nobody play. going to see his movie in theaters yeah but that's what he made it for he's making it for that product he's not making it for a yeah when you inch. do when he looks at the the what he's working on he sees it on that large screen. Right. And so seeing it on like a little tiny computer right. or... He should stop being so freaking stuck up and think about well, how people are actually well, going to see it yeah, if but he wants to make something good. It would be no different than the pictures but, I just showed you because I would much... They would look so much better if they had been printed on true black and... and you don't mix like an album expecting somebody to have $1,000 headphones. Do it for AirPods. Uh, most Spotify. Most, yeah, but, well, okay. Well, sorry. To your point, most sorry. most I'm not contemporary sure what kicked in right then, but you haven't had any coffee. What? Oh no, I have. Oh okay. Yeah. Most contemporary. You were very casual before, and now something kicked in the dark side. What dark? No, or whatever. No. Like I, he should do. Yeah, it's because I was addressing somebody kind of directly. I so know. yeah. Well, most contemporary rappers, all, all your Nolan. all your contemporary rap and hip hop and beat music, most of it is mixed and made for people listening on AirPods or desktop yeah. speakers or through their computers. I think that's good because it's realistic. It's how people are actually going to listen to it. Just like how back in the day, people would spend tons and tons of money to make sure that when you put a record on a turnstile, that the fidelity list we've discussed coming out of your speaker was going to be the right. That's how they would sit and listen to these mixes and things and. And play off like the old time stereo sets. Right, you're right. diminishing people's experience of what you're producing if you're not considerate to how they're going to be experiencing. I, it. But I would make the opposite argument that is equal that you're diminishing the artist by not trying to experience <laughs> it in the way that the artist would have liked. Huh? You can't go. You it's wow. S- seeing visual art on the white walls of my living room is not the same. It's like that photograph that I showed you a four by six print of that photograph would be way different than the little tiny photograph I showed yeah. you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying the composition everyone... of it would be way different. Right. Okay. Does the artist's goal of making good art then transcend the actual experience of the person enjoying it? Like you need, if you're just trying to maximize happiness, then you should sacrifice artistic Certainly. integrity in favor of mass appeal and enjoyment all day long. I don't think artists would agree. I don't think they give a shit about that. Art yeah. is about it, a certain. I mean, they are trying. Then to who do are they something. making it for? They're making it for themselves. Ah, okay. You think they're honest about that, or do you think they're doing something like sacred and they're making it just like? Well, sacred could be making it for yourself, right? I mean, God if you're blasphemous, <laughs> I think anything, whether it's film, music, photography, visual art, writing, teaching, even to a certain degree, I think is an art, right? The, the goal of the artist is to convince people, whether it's fans, the general public, whatever, to convince you that you're doing the right thing. To convince, so the artist convincing the person that the artist is doing the right thing, or take take the song that I sent for example. I feel pretty good about it, but I'm sending it to you to get your input, and I'm hoping that you're gonna like it and you're gonna write me back and say, "Hey, this is cool." And if I don't write you back, does that hurt your feelings? No, because I totally forgot. No, but but but, but <laughs> yeah, but I'm I guess and so Joey didn't care. I'm I didn't get it. Oh, okay. I'm sending it to you. What for, if you were super arrogant though and you didn't care about anybody else's opinion? Well, that's one thing, but. 
And I think I artists, don't have a defense for sometimes um, their defense mechanism is that. Yeah. So they can produce if you want, what I'll they I'll need. I'll send it to you. Okay. If you want to listen to it later. It sounds like... I can um, send it to him. I have to tell you, it sounds like um, slightly off-key vocals whipping through willow trees like wind. Very, Are those lyrics? No. That's how my voice sounds <laughs> in this particular track. I'm I think this is an opportunity for me to grow because it's very difficult for me to listen to my friend's music when it includes their own vocals. It's quite mellifluous. Why? Because it's I get embarrassed for people. I get Don't super excited when it's good, but hey, I'm okay, I can tell myself oh, that. Oh, you're talking about like if you see karaoke is different than like someone making their own music. Oh yeah. Because karaoke, you're well, then trying maybe, then maybe to. Maybe you shouldn't listen to this. This is no. Not I need karaoke. to grow. This is not karaoke, though. Okay. This is him making his own music. So you won't. I don't think you're going to have the same perspective as that. Maybe you will. But I, I think about it like when I, when I, I don't know. When I watch people doing karaoke, like, and, or even myself doing karaoke. Yeah. Not being able to control the music that's behind you is a big deal. Whereas my voice, I know I like to sustain notes at the end of a phrase because my voice can hold that and I feel like it makes me thicker sounding, right? Whereas like you've got, you've got to do the karaoke the way that that music is written. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, because that, that karaoke track is not going to slow down for you. Whereas normally a vocalist is accompanied by a band or by a piano player and they follow the vocalist. Yeah. The vocalist does not follow them in karaoke. You've got to follow the karaoke track, well, which I, is way different conception of how you produce music. Right? Well, the structure of karaoke though, it makes a person, they're putting less on the line. They're less vulnerable though. I feel very vulnerable doing karaoke because I feel like I can't use the, the power that I have in my voice. Like I feel mm. like I am trapped by that particular artist's interpretation of whenever that karaoke track was done, which yeah. normally is a studio production of an album. And that's why when you hear a live album versus a studio album, you see the way artists actually change the the thing when they don't have the tools that are in the studio available to yeah. them. And they'll change it to fit their voice better which is what you would naturally do, right? And so then it becomes different or they get bored with it and they change it in a live performance because it becomes different to them. And so I think you lose that ability with a karaoke track versus being accompanied. You wouldn't lose that. Not to be negative, but just to throw it out there, I'm not a big fan of live albums. But. Right, because, you're, because you like you like the effect of the studio, the purity yeah, of the studio. Yeah, probably so. Right. It goes back um, to... But the live album is probably more pure, but the studio sounds like it's more pure. Well, a lot of live albums were doctored in the studio after the fact. That's true. They recut the tracks or they added in a more dense... Kiss Alive, man. It's the biggest sham. The biggest sham. One of the biggest recording shams ever. How so? It's not... Well, they put out a live, live? record. Yeah, and then but it, but it was all stuff they did in the studio, and, and then I think they added in um, all the audience noise later. Really? Yeah, man. Why? Because they're Kiss, man. They're comic They didn't characters. have to say they, it's they alive, not live. That. <laughs> Why? Just because maybe the the I, the lie that it's live gives it more energy. Well, live energy. music doesn't, like you're saying, the fidelity of it in, in many cases 
is less because of the you can't control the environment, especially if yeah, you're outside. Yeah. I can see why you right. would do it in the studio rather than live, but why pretend right. that it's live? It's a it's like a it's a sales effect. Yeah. Um so uh back to your song. No, uh I did send it to you, by the way. Uh, I know. No, I was trying to think about this live. <laughs> it's not a secret, Joey. You're like I know. Oh never what? mind. I've I've, <laughs> well, I've I've forgotten my, my thought. I'm nervous about it. I think. Oh, okay. It was a. You can laugh at it. The thing about um, his ego is not super fragile. No, it'll hurt him. I think with live music, the idea is being destroying his dreams. Being at a live thing is is something, right? Whereas listening to it, I think it's more really. It's often more moving with a studio because of the control. But the only people that really give a damn about live recordings, really, really care about them, are deadheads. Because, yeah. they, because they want to believe that a certain show or a certain era is or better. a certain time is better. And they know. probably are. Right. Huh. Right. Depending on the acoustics of, like, I think about the YouTube Red Rocks, whatever the one was they did at Red Rocks, where the fidelity in that particular place right. does something to the music. Right. Whereas just seeing them in a stadium was not the same. But now, like, Pink Floyd's thing. Live at Pompeii, I really love, and I thought that was a masterful interpretation of many of those songs. Mm-hmm. But Pink Floyd is mm. an anomaly because I, I think that. they, their their ability to their people that work for them and the amount of money that they put into their show, yeah. audio wise, right. I've never heard a band that had the fidelity right. that Pink Floyd does, yeah. um, and just the the quality of the sound. Like if you want it to sound like an album, they're the closest you'll ever get to right. um, them and Rush. But especially Floyd, life. especially they Floyd. Awesome. Um, yeah, Rush. It was just amazing that they, those three dudes could produce that much sound. Yeah. Like they were freaking awesome. and a lot of lasers. Yeah. Mm. Sailing in the destiny. I don't listen to Rush. Closer to the heart. I know. And the men like who hold high <laughs> places <laughs> must be the ones to start to mold a new reality. Okay, what do y'all like about Rush? What's there not to like about Rush? That's a terrible answer to my question. Dude, they're Canadian. They're Prague. They're talented. They've made they've made uh, uh, time signatures that aren't four four palatable and rock and pop friendly. So like a wonderful solution to a problem that you shouldn't have in the first place. They were constantly experimenting with different sonic characteristics. But what makes that good? They're all, they were always trying to better themselves. They're always trying to do something different. They never wanted to be stagnant. Okay, that's good because it can produce good things. I right. think but their that's musicianship not is what I like. Yeah. Okay, like when people talk about how great of a drummer they have, and when people talk about how great drummers are in general, fastest. to Rest me it just no sounds super, like just a lot of notes. Like, I don't, to me, that's so not it's, necessarily It's almost compelling. like if you like jazz, it's almost like the same kind of production of the way he drummed it would explode into this wild thing and then just like jazz it comes back right. to a, a line then it explodes into this wild thing and then it comes back it's very jazzy ish and that's maybe why i like jazz well, you, you so that's an emphasis on like the his style um, right the, the, well like the product not necessarily like the beat kind of like the right. emotional impact of it not really like but kind you, of the swing right but you have to I mean, he is like a metronome. Like they used to put a metronome with him and he can stay on a metronome beat. 
Okay. Like, even when he yeah. explodes, when he comes back, he's back to that exact right. same. That's why they called him the professor. Okay, well, then right? that's like yeah. playing the, I mean, that's that's. Or just maybe being, they called him the professor because he wrote the lyrics. That's just not being yeah. incorrect, yeah. though. That's like being, you know, that is the equivalent of like being on another instrument and just playing the right notes. Yeah, but. but it's just like not being, being on beat is like not being wrong. The only music I would say, you got to, okay, you got to think about this, though. Music being beat oriented is more of a modern thing. Is it? Yes. I would think that beat is like the absolute foundational like musical You're talking quality. about tribal music? Yeah. I feel like probably rhythm and lyricism was the predominant thing. Melody. And then when you have the introduction of disco and funk, where a four on the floor or a constant metronomic piece, then you have the birth mm. of hip hop, where the beat, it really is about the beat, you know, boom bap. And then you have the development of the modern music that we have now, where everything, everything has a beat. Country has a beat. Rap How do you have music a, without a beat? There's so much music. Like, to me, that's just sound. Jazz often doesn't have necessarily a beat. Hmm. Swing music, you know, big band. Is there a beat? Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a swing. It's not... I guess when I say by beat music, I'm talking about the implied bump, 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 or boom tap, boom tap, okay. boom tap. Okay, well, I'm just talking about... I'm not saying it has to be like a, a certain kind of beat. Because I think a lot of people from an, from, from an older age would say that music now as at a complete loss for melody and lyricism. And I don't necessarily mean lyricism by lyrics, literally. Okay. I was going to say, like, that's almost like two totally separate, like, disciplines that just happen to be combined. I'm talking about the lyricism of the music, if that makes any sense. Like a composition. Okay. The poetic effect of it. Right. I think he's, well, I think he's saying, like, you know, like, oh, that's a very, like, lyrical, like, guitar part. Right. If it's, like, a good... Like, okay, like, uh, like Lawrence Welk, you know, like that's very melodic, but it's, it has, to me, it has a sense of lyricism in its grandiosity and presentation. I think composition's a better way to describe that. And that's fine. But, but I, I think a lot, I, I know a lot of really extremely wonderfully, terribly, horribly talented musicians that think a lot of modern music is a complete waste and not worth spending any time with. Because they don't perceive it as having any sort of melody or, you know, quality of that nature. All the contemporary rap songs I listen to have great melodies. By your perception, other people would say no. I don't know. I kind of think it's subjective. But I don't, I don't know. Of course, I don't listen to a lot of contemporary music. So, but I don't know that I hear a lot of any of that contemporary music. So would they say, I don't want to get people upset here but do they do they say that rap actually has a melody like it has a chorus but does I, it has a, does it have a, if you're speaking it is it a melody that's the, the, the rap music well the rap music i like has melodies because it's more kind of like sing songy rapping but then also with instrumental parts that, that represent like themes yeah okay. yeah okay. and I guess um, that's true. You don't no, have to be it, melody doesn't have to be vocalized. But no, but like rap, rap yeah. is a clash of like not just like genres, but it's a combination of like different uh 
artistic traditions. I mean, you're essentially yeah, it's, taking it's certainly... jazz and combining it with like spoken word poetry and chanting. Sure. Yeah, I would say yeah. Like, but even I'll, even even modern music and rap, much like our culture, has become stagnant. I think. I don't hear a lot of. How is that possible? I don't. I don't hear a lot of innovations oh, these you're days. Setting the youth. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't hear a lot of innovation. It's gonna be a rebellion. Not in rock music. <laughs> not in. Not in rap. Not what? in. I hear some in jazz, but I think jazz is just a, more, a freer form. People were saying the same thing that you're saying. People have said the same thing you're saying right now every single year for the last yeah, but, hundred but, years. But I'm not. It, 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 but seriously, though, it really is all of it. All of it, regardless of genre, is starting to mill and sound the same to me, much like our culture. Well, people have more access now to old material we've than they a, ever had before. Though. We've hit a disgusting point of saturation, and it has it is, it is diluted the pool of, of, of things. I totally so disagree. So let's... Well, then we can agree to disagree. I we mean, don't, we don't have in, to burn a building down In 1965, everybody sounded like the Beatles. Uh, I also agree to disagree. No. no. In 1965, uh, John Coltrane, Albert Eiler, and Ornette Coleman were combing sonic frontiers that the Beatles could only and what, dream about. And they were not popular. While they were, popular. While Frank, they were crawling on the... Frankie Avalon the, popular then? In yeah, the 60s? Yeah. And Lawrence Welk. Correct. Yeah. Right. And Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Messing around with Engelbert. Fuck Damn. that guy. Yeah. He was top of the how charts. About, how about... You know uh, what else? You know what the biggest album of 1965 was? The soundtrack to The Sound of Music. Very, very <laughs> anti-Beatles. And you know what John Coltrane's biggest song ever was, popularity-wise? Oh, yeah, my favorite thing. Yeah. Right. He destroyed it. Yeah. And by that, I mean he, like, he, he did it so well. It was just no one ever. He unlocked the code. No one can do it like he did, ever. Okay, but... I can't. Oh, my original point was that everybody sounded like the Beatles in 1965. But that's but that's not true. Just because they weren't as popular doesn't mean they sounded like them. Hmm. And 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 really, so I think it's as as applicable as your assertion that everybody today sounds the same. I just think it's all funneling into. I don't hear like uh. So at these job sites, sometimes you know people will have radios, obviously. And you have your old standbys, the guys that are playing whatever, 105 or 106. So it's all classic rock. Yeah. And it's the same four and five songs from every band. They never play anything different. Well, that's how radio is. It's all the Eagles. Well, that's how commercial radio the is. Eagles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, the Eagles had some good shit. No, they didn't. Desperado. No, the Eagles were one of the worst bands of all times. When your best-selling record is your greatest hits, you're not a good band. Well, wait, that's true of a lot so of bands, isn't it? No. I like Greatest Hits albums. They're helpful because they make The musician as cowboy metaphor is super self-indulgent. What I'm really trying to get at, though, is... The, I love it. The, the, Hotel California is the most popular old song in the world, though. Like, pre-1980 song. It's consistently way more played than anything else is. Which is great, because Right, well, when you hear it three times an I hour... I like the Eagles. I love like Hotel California, song. though. I don't like any of it, but what I'm the point, the larger point I'm trying to draw is that there's a, to me, a, a funneling of things where I think culturally we are currently in a, uh, 
I guess a funk where we're at a stagnation point. So, so, and I think it's reflected in our art as a musician hmm. and an artist. What are you going to do about that? I'm going to keep trying to find new <laughs> frontiers. There's action involved. So like, what are we going to do? Well, we're trying this podcast for yeah. one, even though a lot yeah. of people already have podcasts. I don't think there's a problem. I think things are better now than they have ever been in the entire history of humanity, other than the fact that we're liable to destroy ourselves. So, but. real great, man! <laughs> what? Oh, awesome! No, we've, <laughs> since since the the bomb, we've been able to destroy ourselves yeah. for a long, long time. I can and remember people the duck think and we're covers in... drills. Like where and they we made are. us get underneath desks because like a nuclear bomb. People claim that we are in an age of increasing peace, but that's because they underestimate our capacity to, with potentially a single wrong decision, we to are destroy all, ourselves. We're all addicted to the social opium of our time. We are, this is, I am watching society die like a junkie. A piece at a time. Why would you say that? I don't think our society is dying. I think our environment is dying. I think that's different than our society. I think our society will morph to be whatever we believe it should be. Okay, fine. But but I think our, our earth will not. Right. And I think we're at a level where it's in collapse and like we're going to have to do something about it. Because right. we're detached from the environmental consequences right. of our actions. Right. Mm-hmm. Among other things. Okay. I would agree with that. I don't think like you, though, that social media is destroying the world, though. I, I think there are positives and negatives. Okay. I think you're biased against so it. So it's like, um, it's like, who do you blame? The gun or the person that held it kind of a thing, right? So it's like maybe social media in and of itself isn't what's destroying the world it's the people using it and being manipulated by it i think that's a bad metaphor though because guns are inherently more violent than social media is uh well violence to me is a nebulous term that can be defined in a lot of ways harm fair enough all i'm saying is actively causing harm i i don't think the benefits of social media outweigh the cons I personally believe. I think that's possibly true. So let's 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 pause right there. I I would say social media is destroying the expert culture of modernism. So we have no one to believe who's an expert, and that's where the danger is. I don't think because society everybody, should have experts. Well, then we go back to pre enlightenment. Well, then who's going to fix the cable? The knowledge affirms the person. The person doesn't affirm the knowledge. You don't need ex- you don't need people classified as experts. Yes, you do, because it does affirm <laughs> the knowledge. Because it it that's what that's the way science works. Well, let's, yeah, with well, experts, things without, that are true are true without people needing to vouch for them, or without people no, needing not. with well, labels associated. No, with they them. have to have labels. Here's what? that's what makes them valid. Is we a pointer a label points to it and says this is what happens if you take these particular herbs. Without that pointer, people will go take those particular herbs and hurt themselves, right? Because there's no pointer. Because science how we're has designed that to figure things tells out. You. Huh? That's how we're designed to figure things out, though. That's human nature. It's also much more violent and and than it is like listening to experts. So that's the problem with the voting. You're not the supposed whole to voting trust, spielio. Yeah, you're not supposed to trust people because they're labeled as experts. You're supposed to trust people. Because you know them and you believe that they're being truthful. Then we're tribalism. 
then we're yeah. back to a hundred people, and we can't. No, have a society we're not back like this. to it. We're already there. No, we never we, left. We, no, we've been gone for a long time. That's the not, nation state. Not right. so, intellectually, maybe, oh, yes. but not in actuality. No, not how still, we feel. That's it's the still problem. The nation state. I think the problem that we're having right now with politics is created by. People like you having overconfidence in people's intellectual ability and underestimating how they're inevitably going to feel and respond to things. So, so No, someone studying something for 50 years knows a hell of a lot more about it than someone who just thinks they know something about it. Because they read a couple articles. Yeah, and there's that, no doubt that that's the truth. No, I, I agree with that. Okay. But you're not going to convince a person to trust an expert by saying that the expert is more intelligent than they Society are. Society validates the expert. Not necessarily more intelligent, more intelligent about that particular issue you're not going to get people to listen to an expert by informing them that they're too stupid and that they have to no you don't inform them that they're too stupid they rationally believe that the expert knows more than they do about the subject because the expert's been studying it for 50 years okay if they rationally believe that then what is falling apart right now with people's trust in institutions then it's not not falling apart any more than it ever has it's a wave so it goes down trust to the institutions goes back up then it goes back down then it goes back up after the great depression trust in the institutions rose 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 then it fell and now maybe it's going back up but if it doesn't if we go completely into postmodernism, a lot of the stuff that we believe will cease to exist uh, because we'll stop believing in it Mm. right like if we can't if we can't get the voting stuff together and we can't begin to health healthfully trust our politicians like on on a basic level that they're going to do our representatives are going to do what we want them to do then then this nation state will cease to exist like it's 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 a divine a messy experiment anyway and we'll go back to one of the safer forms, which may be monarchy or dictatorship.